Hey, it's Swabber Gowan, Mentors for Mail. Thanks for tuning in. And we're sitting here at Fifth Ranger Training Battalion, and we are so blessed to be able to and honored to be able to be in this room, in this space and stuff, and with these uh, tremendous professionals. So um, here with my sidekick, Paul. Hey, everybody. And uh, we're joined by our special guest, Jeremy. And Jeremy, uh, we're going to get back into your background. And I don't think I asked you in the very beginning, where is home? So home for me is sort of all over, right? So I'm an Army brat. Um, born at Fort Bragg, moved around uh, quite a bit. So over my lifespan, I think eight years at Bragg as a kid. Um, but I've lived uh, Fort Leonard Wood. Um, I lived mm. in England. Spain. England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he a liaison or something? So, so my... Uh, Sorry, I got you totally off path, but that is like cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I was living in... Where were? We were at Fort Leonard Wood. My mom was a drill sergeant and met a liaison. So my stepdad was a British sergeant major. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay. So mom gets out of the Army, and then we moved to England. So I totally years. got that wrong. Wow. So you're a brat because of your mom, but yes. then also your dad, but on a very different way. But the Army part, U.S. Army, yeah. was mom. Both. Oh. So, so oh. my biological dad and my mom. Oh, wow. And split. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, double stamped. Yeah. <laughs> How was it growing up in that house? Um, Drill sergeant, too, nonetheless. So 45 right. degree angle on the yeah. sheets. And yep, yep. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, I mean, it was a, you know, it was a strict childhood, right? I got, I got two military parents, right? Everything's dress right dress. Um, but, you know, it, there was some, some benefits, you know? So, like, used to structure, you know, I was, I was able to perform pretty well in the military you know, yeah. because of that. So that's good. Yeah, no, no, I, I think it, I, I was a Navy brat or a brat, military brat, and um, definitely a strict um, household and taught me a lot about proper manners and, and everything else and all those things that I think uh, are not always, you know, shared across all channels and, you know, and other um, kids and everything. And so I think it set the foundation. And hopefully I did the same thing as a parent, you know, to my kids. I wasn't quite as strict, but at least set that foundation to my own children yeah. in the same way. So um, that was the reason then when you, did you go to college right off or did you go to, right out of high school in? Is that the reason why you went is because of the family or so keep the family business going? Eventually, yeah. Eventually, yeah. So um, I joined at 25. So I was living in Charlotte, um, North Carolina, uh, just bouncing around restaurants, right? Yeah. Clanging pans, you know, chopping onions. Um, and I, I loved it, right? What a, what a rush. Uh, and, and, and cooking in in fine dining gives you like a really good sense of time. Like I always know when six minutes is. I'll always yeah. know six minutes. Um, so you you why get a, six minutes? So yeah. that's how long it takes to cook a steak to medium rare in okay. a pan at a four hundred degree onion. Six okay. minutes. Um, so nice. you get a really good understanding of tight spaces and time, right? So you know that crosses over sometimes. Like being in a striker unit, you know, when I was in two CR, right? That that helped a lot. Um, being a jump master. Wow. Right? time, tight yeah. spaces, how you move your body. Because, you know, kitchens are dangerous. Stuff's oh, yeah. hot. You know, they're packed. It's tight back there. Sharp yeah, knives. Yeah, sharp knives. <laughs> sharp, uh, sharp attitudes and, and uh, what's the word? I guess behaviors. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so I was clanging pans. pans um, and I thought about it. I was like, I got to do this. Like, everyone in my family, grandparents, uh, uncle, was in Vietnam, Rakondo, SF dude, 
Whoa. Uh, the other uncle, um, Uncle Jimbo, was in the Navy. He retired as a Sergeant First Class in the Navy. So, yeah, everyone in my family is in the military. So wow. I'm not going to be the guy <laughs> who stops the tradition. Yeah, you don't want to so, break the streak. Yeah. So that was it. I'll, I'll just do four years. I say I did it, right, to get my college and get out. Right. I'm still sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> How many years later? So, what, 16 years? Okay. Years. Was, right. it, was it always Army, or were you going to, was there another option in there when you were deciding which branch you were going to join? No, always, yeah. always Army. It was because of your parents? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Knew exactly, yeah. right? Army Ranger, go. Nice. So, so you got the option going in, or I, I did not. I did not. So I was not the best uh, kid growing up, right? So right. that wasn't an option for me. <laughs> um, but you know, I did. I did well in basic training. Yeah, um, I volunteered in everyone's school. So nice. You know, took that path, and a lot of a lot of folks did. Yeah, it's so. uh, it's interesting that you say that because not everybody and if you go back and listen to one of our earlier episodes where we end up talking to the guys from regiment about rasp and how you get in and there's so many different ways they there's recruiter and liaison ncos there at each one of the osits and basic and ait type of situations or airborne school if you get an airborne contract coming in yeah. doesn't mean that you still can't get the option because yep they can write it and they'll rewrite the entire contract for those who may be listening that you know they they just take your existing contract and stretch it out and they write yeah. in you know option 40 the exact same way so don't feel like if the recruiter says i don't have any slots if you get at least an airborne slot or you do well in in uh, one station unit training and uh, or eit depend upon your mos yeah. You still if, may have that option. I think if you're the appropriate MLS and you have maxed your PD score and you're smart and you meet the GT threshold in basic and you talk to your drill drill sergeants, it's a good chance you're going to get that. Oh, yeah. A chance to go to well, RASP now. Yeah. You went through and it was RASP or when R it was yeah, back, back, back when it was hard. Back, back in the old days. <laughs> <laughs> when, you just, when you had to survive. You didn't have to yeah. learn anything. When, when did you, you go through RIP? 05. 05, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I went through the year after. Yeah. It wasn't much better, I don't I, think. No. No. Okay. I had been well beyond there. So when did they change it from Rip the Rasp? And I should know this because I know we've talked about it in other episodes. But it was eight, nine? I think it was later than that. I think it was 10. They probably rolled out in 10 and then were in full swing in 11. And they made a lot of changes in those first yeah. few years. I mean, it completely unrecognizable, not just from Rip, but from... Right the first probably five iterations of RASP. I don't know how many there have been, but it has changed a lot. Right. Oh, yeah. right. For those who are not tracking Ranger Indoctrination Program, and then it was Ranger Assessment Selection Program. So just change the name to protect yeah. the innocent, but well, I think maybe to differentiate between the hard and... I think it was a conscious effort to move from indoctrinating right. people. To which, selection. Which it was good at, because yeah. right. you, were, you were a Ranger when you came out. You might not be a... Skill wise, right. very good. But right. you were you were a ranger. And then, you know, they wanted to change it to a real selection process where they're actually teaching you. Which makes sense because now you're I mean, you get a guy that's tougher than nails but doesn't really know how to do his job at all. And honestly, like you can shoot a little bit better than you did in basic, maybe. Right. And now, you know, especially when we got there, I mean right. you're going every six to nine months, you're going overseas. Yeah. So right. it was you, interesting. I mean, you would go through rip and then show up and then yeah. like boom, you're sliding down a rope. It's yeah. Like, you didn't learn a thing. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. But that's okay. You figure it out. Yeah. You figure it out. <laughs> no, I mean the regiment definitely like 
they did a very good job with that. It, it was so. the right decision, um, and it was in response, I think, to some of those some of those guys back then. We're talking like oh five, oh six, right? Yeah. That had that come straight out of rip and then and didn't make it back that deployment. Um, yeah. And so it was the right response. That, in addition to like um, you know the charter time thing as well. It's right. Regiment is is definitely done a great job in in sustaining and stewarding stewarding their unit, right? Oh, most definitely. I mean, we've yeah. done several episodes with those guys and what they've created, even since I remember them of the 90s. And for those really old timers that remember, you know, when Third Bat was started up and everything else, I mean, they've got stories. And so you think about the history and how far it's progressed. It's pretty, pretty remarkable. And yeah. to see guys, what's even more remarkable for someone like me is to see guys that's been there 15 years Mm-hmm. what that was like totally unheard of way back in the, you know the like the 90s it was you know you may get six is the abrams they really pushed the abrams charter to get you out of there and stuff and uh but most of the guys would stay 24 months and i'm like i'm you know trying to tow that for 24 months was enough for many of them to just yeah. check out yeah. Yeah. Enough, yeah so you end up going to first or where'd you go first what what, what battalion third third right. okay yeah um, you guys actually said that before, right? Or talked yeah. about that. Yep, yep. So um, was that by choice or was it the eeny, meeny, miny, mo? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Nice. How'd no, you feel I mean, about it? Um, Paul cried a little bit, I, is why I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> he had a tear that rolled down his eye. A single tear. <laughs> you know, I, I remember, like, reacting emotionally. And mm-hmm. the uh, rip instructor was not very happy about that. Right. <laughs> um, but, but honestly, like, what a, what a great organization. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and and that's where I needed to go, right? So, you know, things happen, and and, yeah. and that's just that's what happens, right? And that's the intersection. So, third bat was my intersection. It was where I needed to be at that time in my life, and it was it was good. It was a good experience. I learned a lot. Yeah, I learned a lot about myself. You know, I learned a lot about the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned a lot about being a good team member there, and then you know what the expectations yeah. are. You know, serving a unit in the army. It was it was a good it was a good foundation for the rest of my career. Not just a unit in the army. I mean, you know, they are an elite fighting force and what you get a chance to do in that type of unit is to serve with some of the best of the best NCOs and so I mean you're really indoctrinated and if you can hold the line and earn that beret every day, then you know, you really are given a tremendous opportunity like you're describing to be able to, you know, to be around true professionals. That that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. How many years did you end up staying? Two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the twenty-four months. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I got in trouble, and you know, as as you do, right? Yep. And so I left, um, went out into the big army, and uh, it was a it was an interesting experience. My my career has been a very very interesting experience, yeah. and throughout the whole thing, like I love it, and that's why I keep reenlisting, uh, yeah, and, and staying. Um, every duty station. I, I'm given the opportunity to meet a whole new set of people, right? Yeah. And serve with a whole new set of people. And that's, that's the one thing I do like about uh, the big army has its drawbacks. Now that I'm married, it definitely right. has its drawbacks, right? I'm dragging my family across the planet. Um, but especially as a young single person, like that opportunity to interact with so many different leaders yeah. and, and take uh, from them and then to watch them grow. You know, I look across the army. Some of my, you know, my platoons aren't, is at the core level now as a, as a sergeant major. Yeah. You know, my first sergeants, you know, there's sergeant majors all over the army, right? Yeah. It's, it's great to watch them grow um, and to have taken a little piece from each of them. 
um, I, it's been truly an awesome experience. Well, I think one of the things that people maybe overlook is that every opportunity that you PCS is that you get a chance to go to um, restart at zero. Mm-hmm. And you're really almost restarting your career. People don't know you. They don't know where you came from. You don't, you know, you're walking in the door. You don't know them. You don't know the dynamics of the unit that you're walking into. Certainly not the platoon or the squad or the company that you're walking in the door to. You you know, they may have been together for, as that unit, at that whole, without losing pieces to PCS, 12 months, 18 months, and you're walking in there. And guys instead don't always take that opportunity to really... I think, um, embrace it and um, learn from it. And, you know, one of the things we, we talked to uh, First Sergeant Ryan about is that, you know, that opportunity to really grow. What is it that you're going to bring in value to that organization? And have you really thought about it that way? Or are you just looking at it as, ah, it's another PCS. I got to, you know, that type of thing, yeah. you know. I, I mean, to me, fundamentally, this is the, I mean, it's a people business, yeah. right? We're, we're a people-focused organization. And if you're excited about people. Like I get excited about people and I, for each unit, it's less of, you know, the type or structure or the insertion platform that we use to get to wherever we're going, mission set, whatever. You know, when I think back to whether it's Fort Hood and and first ID, two CR and a striker, you know, four, two, five being airborne, those things don't matter. I remember people, right? I remember Mm -hmm. the people, whether it's Harris, you know, in Fort Hood, whether it's Crinky and 2CR, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whoever, the, it's the people that were there that I was with and the people I got to interact with. And, you know, I was shaped by and molded by. And, you know, as I grow in my career, that I shape and mold um, for the Army, right? And yeah. It's, it's just, aw- I get so excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, and you're not just shaping them from, for the Army, though, I think. It's, I went out to the big Army, too, for about a year and you know, I thought this this is going to be terrible, but you, for one, you realize how excellent where you came from was. Yep. If you've come from Ranger Battalion, and you realize, okay, well, I'm, I, I was there for a little bit longer. I was there for about seven years, and I, I got to a point where, like, it just being a Ranger was normal. You know, that that standard of excellence that they strive for every day was normal. And so, you know, if you're middle of the road of excellent, that's pretty great. Yeah. But you stay there long enough, and you're like, I'm just middle of the road yeah. in general. And you get out to the big army, and you're like. Oh, okay. I'm actually, yeah. I've had the opportunity to learn from these great leaders. Now I get to pass that on to these guys who may never get a ranger leader because they're in garrison or they're chaplain's assistants or whatever they may be, you know, and then you're getting to like mold those soft skills. And it's like, this is a 19 year old kid, first time out of the house. And the things that I'm going to teach them, like, I mean, that's as formative as their school years or their, you know, the, what their parents teach them when they're in their early twenties or, or late teens. So it's like, and I still talk to those guys. So yeah. I'm like, you can watch them grow. You know, one of them just got promoted to the rank I got out as. And I'm yeah. like, man, that's freaking awesome. Yep. You know, and maybe a little bit of what I had to offer as an NCO helped him get there, you know, along with all the other great NCOs I'm sure he's met in the meantime. So it's 100%. It's, yeah. just, it's, it's a life thing. It's not just an army thing. It's really Absolutely. cool. Yeah. Love it. Um, and like I said, that's what. That's what keeps me coming back. Okay. Right. That's that's why I've re-enlisted all this time. It's like I could get out and you know do something else. Whatever. That's fine. Sure. Um, and and I could interact with people, but I, I I doubt that I would interact with people with the same level of intensity that I do in mm. the army. You know, just based yeah. on you know the close quarters. You know, yeah. the the, yeah. the requirements to stay together and, and to be so, the esprit de corps. Like, yeah. you know, it's you really build 
long relationships with people that, that sort of last a lifetime. That's an important takeaway that I don't know that a lot of people realize too, is that they're not embracing the moment that they're living in. And that's kind of what you're describing. And I can certainly um, say from my own experience, I walked out the door after 20 years and said, this is it. I don't want any more to do with it. Mm -hmm. Yet here I sit doing a podcast, you know, that, you know, is about, you know, helping the community and, and all that. And, and it's because exactly what you described you walk out the door and that people didn't come from the same backgrounds and everything else when you go in a private sector organization they don't in the military either except we all become the same background at that point again it goes to the reset boom reset you know military service from that point on you're like-minded individuals now we run into veterans when you get out and it doesn't matter what branch what mos we don't even hardly talk about that you know yeah. it's unless they're coast guard <laughs> I'm just kidding, Coast Guard. You guys are all right. And then, then you're gonna, you know, you you just have that that way of all right. We're on equal. We we understand. We had very like minded. We come from the same background. Um, and, and in some cases, I think we're very misunderstood as it relates to the private sector. But we don't also give them a chance to really understand what we're trying to describe. They haven't. Yeah. They haven't felt it. They've never done it before. And so uh, because of that, we treat that as an us and them. You don't know what I'm talking about kind of thing. You're not a veteran. And yet, um, hopefully, there'll be more of us that go out there and try to bridge that divide and actually create that communication. Because everything you're learning, everything you're describing about people, leadership, and everything else are the exact same things you're going to get as an opportunity on the private sector. Yeah, It's just you don't have that same camaraderie. You know, you can yeah. build teams. They're just not going to be necessarily the same as what you're describing, you know. Yeah, I think the way I have it is, is you know, we serve, we serve others, right? We're, mm -hmm. I'm in a team, right? And I may be a mass sergeant at this time, right? I'm a mass sergeant, and I, I work with a group of other people, but I also serve that team. Um, I have a vested interest in them and their lives. Yep. Um, and then given, you know, the shared danger and hardship that we have, right? So that it's a little more intense, right? So if we work together at McDonald's, right? Yeah. We're just the crew, you know, yep. cooking burgers, doing yep. fries, you know? We have a, we have a vested interest in each other, but it's it's just not the same, right? Unless like people are shooting at our McDonald's, yeah. maybe 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 then maybe, you know, maybe yeah, then certain that yeah. <laughs> maybe the community McDonald's in Detroit or yeah. something that does know. happen. Yeah, that does. Uh, happen. So, um, how did you end up here? So I was I was up in four two five. I had just finished my uh, platoon sergeant time, and you know we had just come back from Afghanistan. I was kind of thinking about, hey, what do I want to do? Um, I was offered a position. Um, I was offered the first position in the in the troop that I was in. I was in a Charlie troop, 140th Cav, um, which I love. Love really. I, oh, I love recon. It's so much fun. Okay, so yeah. much fun because um, it's just the, the Charlie troop is a dismounted reconnaissance troop. Um, okay, and it's it's great. Um, so I was offered that position, and I remember thinking. Ah, I, I don't want to do this yet. I don't want to be a first sergeant yet. Like, I want to grow a little more. Um, one of the first sergeants that was there was an RI here, mm. uh, first sergeant Kirk, uh, now Sergeant Major Kirk, um, and he was like, "Hey, go be an RI. Go be an RI, and go be an RI at Fifth RTB, and that that's where you're going to develop." And now is he at Fifth RTB, and that's why he said it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. He was an RI here, and he, he said, "You will any RTB you go to, you're going to develop." Right. Um, at fifth, it was his assessment that, that I would develop the most, and I don't think he was wrong. Mm. Why, why do you think that is? So, 
how do I put this politically without? So, <laughs> so, so my brothers, I don't want to talk bad about anybody else, right? So right. my brothers out and forth, um, I love those guys. They do, they do a great job. And, and down there, there's that sign, the, the not for the weak and, and faint-hearted, right? Yeah. And that's their job, right? That's a big piece of their job is not for the weak and faint So weed those guys out. And, and the people that need to come up here, come up here. Um, and they, they teach in a very structured way, obviously, yes. like you guys have both been through the course. No, I have not. Uh, only Paul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they, they do the 20 boards. They teach in a very structured mm -hmm. way. Um, when they come up here, we're kind of structured, right? Um, semi-structured, and I'll, I'll get to us last. They, when we kick them off to six, six is more, they're kind of like OCs, right? Okay. Um, cause it's the right phase, sense. Yeah. you know? And so it's more like outcome based, like they're observing mm -hmm. and they do a great job down there. Um, and, and I, again, I'm not taking anything away from sixth. Um, but here, this is where you learn all of the stuff. Like as instructors, I, I think we have the best instructors on the planet at, at fifth RTV. Um, you got a strong argument there. Yeah. And, and we've had, you know, folks from, um, you know, the special warfare school come up here and watch us and observe, um, you know, like, yeah, I think we are the best at what we do, what we teach. Um, and, and, and so like, I recognize that as a student and I said, okay, I want to teach, I want to get on a platform and I want to teach, uh, that stuff. And, and also like, you know, the mountainous environment, one, yeah. it's beautiful up here and two, it's tough, right? It's, oh yeah, it's tough. It's hard to be an RI here. Uh, these mountains suck. When it's cold, I'm cold. When it's raining, I'm raining. And, you know, I was cold in Alaska. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I wasn't cold all the time. And I needed, I, I think I needed another, I just wanted another hard challenge yeah. before, you know, I was tied to a computer and a desk and green and red blocks, you know. Let me, let me do something else. Let me develop. And, again, I, I, I didn't make the right or wrong decision. I made the complete right decision. I feel so much better prepared to go out and really? force after being an RI here. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and both in terms of an RI and in being prepared to be a first sergeant. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, your grasp of doctrine has to just be comprehensive at this oh, yeah. point. I mean, it's like, so, so that's the thing is, is that we are instructors, but we are facilitators as well. Okay. Meaning that when I'm on the platform, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to have a discussion with the students. Right. And, and so like, I can't not know stuff or I lose all credibility. Right. right. And if I don't know something, that's fine. Right. I, you know, I, I also have to be humble, you know, and just be like, Hey, I don't know that Ranger. Like, and that's okay. And that's where, you know, fifth, you know, is we've always gotten a, I remember as a student thinking like, yeah, that's pretty mature of that guy. Just yeah. be like, I don't know, Ranger, you know, whereas maybe in other places like, you know, yeah. um, but I remember thinking, having a lot of respect for those guys for that. And so if you're going to be a good instructor and you're going to be passionate about teaching and facilitating, right, you, you've got to study. You've got to be ready. Um, I, I never want to look bad on a platform. I, I'm a professional. And so, like, I, and, and all of these guys are as well. You know, Ryan, everyone else oh, yeah. on this camp. Um, like we spent hours just reading doctrine, you know, and we're ready. Whatever the student's question is, I'm ready for it bring it. And, and I, and I wow. want it. Right. And I tell them, I'll give you a major plus, like, bring it. Let's do it. If they stump you. Yeah. Nice. I, I want it, you know, because I grow and they grow Yeah, and, and they're invested because no one wants a sleepy class of people who don't care. Right. Yeah. I want them. 
I, I don't care if they get a go. I care that at the end of the class, whatever I taught them, they understand it. You pointed out something that I think maybe some people don't understand. First off, there's a difference between coaching and mentoring, but there's also a difference, as you mentioned and, and you know, uh, pointed out, teaching and facilitating. Facilitating, you're more of a listener and you're guiding the conversation. It is truly a conversation, whereas a teacher, you're instructing. And so that's a very different, um, as a facilitator, you have to humble yourself and you have to speak less on some occasions, right? And, and uh, be uh, very, a very good listener. So um, that's really interesting that you put it that way because that's a different skill set. So many guys that are, you know, they're great in CEOs. They're great at instructing. Mm -hmm. They're great at telling, you know, exactly, uh, exactly what to do. But when you have to step back and I say, all right, I want you to facilitate this class, some guys don't know what that means. You know, they, they think that's, I'm going to instruct, I'm going to teach. No, no, no. That you're going you're gonna to guide the conversation to a direction where they're really interactive. They don't even understand they're learning. They don't even pick up that they're learning something. It's an art. It really is. Um, so, I, I didn't realize that so much about this. That, thanks for pointing that out, you know, about Fifth RTB. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we take, I mean, you could, you could almost call it Socratic method, right? That, that would be how we do it, you know? I'm asking questions, they're, they're answering, you know, I'm asking further questions, like it's a question and answer sort of dialogue with the students, and then if, you know, maybe I'm not getting the answer, okay, hey, what do you think, right? And we facilitate a discussion amongst the students, and, you know, because peer-to-peer -peer learning yeah. is, for adult learners, is, that's the best way. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, so, you know, we, um, maybe this is a good time to talk about one of the events that recently took place. And for those who may not be aware of it, you know, there was a, an incident in which um, we were, there was severe weather here. The soldiers were lost. Uh, some soldiers were also severely hurt. And um, I want to talk a little bit about how you guys reacted to that situation. I mean, one of the things I think that uh, for Sergeant Ryan, Dane Ryan talked about was that, um, you know, everybody really, you talk about coming together. It was an opportunity where this battalion really, you know, the light shined on this battalion. And, and Paul was a part of the aftermath of this, of um, through some equine therapy. So I want you guys to kind of, yeah. since you were a part of it as well, I'd love to talk about the reaction, how the command reacted to it, and the great things that were done. Because... Now that we're in a garrison situation, this is a little bit different for leaders who may not be put in a combat situation where there is an event and you have to now get the team back together, get everybody refocused, including the students as well as the cadre. And uh, it's an important step as a leader. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's difficult, right? So we're, you know, geologically um, separated from Fort Benning, right? We're up in Dahlonega. It's a tiny town, like in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of resources. Yeah. You know, and if, you don't, if you're not familiar with Camp Merrill, I mean, it's, the footprint's very small, you know, and it has good amenities, you know, and, and they're fairly comprehensive for the size, but you don't have a big behavioral health. Yep. You don't have a hospital. You don't have some, the ability to inpatient somebody necessarily. And, you know, your medical staff, we got to do some equine work with them and they were phenomenal. Yeah. So obviously you're in good hands, but yeah, this is a very small, it's an outpost almost. Right. I mean, it's yeah. fobbish. Well, so, so maybe, yeah. maybe um, expand on that a little bit. Like when people hear equine therapy or what, yeah. 
I mean, you know, why and, and how is yeah. it so significant? So the, the reason is that it's significant, especially for veterans, is because it's, um, it's not invasive. There's not a stigma attached to it. It's very, and I speak from a masculine perspective because that's, I was in an all-male unit, and I, to me the Army's mostly men. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, that's just kind of how my brain works. But um, it's it's a masculine thing to do. You go cowboy some horses, you know, and it's a big animal. It's dangerous, and it's so it doesn't appear to be therapy in the same way as sitting on a couch and telling a stranger your secrets. I mean, and like, and finding a good therapist for you because there's plenty of good ones out there, but you may not gel with them. It's difficult. I've been through, God, I went through seven different mental health professionals before I found one that I was like, okay, she's not my ideal choice, but like we've got good rapport and we can make progress. So all of that is eliminated with the horse. And there's a biological function there. So um, as a herd animal, you know, they're picking up all these little physical cues, all the body language. They can hear a heartbeat from four to five feet away. They can smell, you know, the composition of your endorphins and your sweat and the stuff that's coming out in your, you know, in, in your aroma. So they know if you're afraid, if your heart rate's elevated, they're like, oh, something alerted my herd mate, so now I'm on alert. Or if you come in and you're relaxed, they're like, well, this guy's relaxed and he's looking around, so I don't see anything either, I'll relax. And it's automatic. What's interesting is that the human body mirrors that. And they're, they're doing more studies, but there's a lot of science on this. And you know, you, you can, encounter a horse with an elevated heart rate and it can lower your heart rate. And so you and this animal are starting to mirror each other. So when I heard about you guys having that accident on Mount Yona, <clears throat> um, I thought, well, we're coming down to do the podcast anyway. I, I'll give Colonel Green a call. You know, so I call, and I called staff duty because I thought, figured that was a respectful thing to do. And just said, hey, here's who I am. If you're interested, give me a call logistically. It's going to be a little bit difficult, but I think we can get some horses down to you. And I think it was about, it was less than... Less than 15 days later, we were under the two-week mark. I think it was closer to 10 days. We were here. I think we had 12 horses, and we provided equine services for, I think it was 18? Yep. 18 of your, yep. your, your medic staff, and it was awesome. But the, the biggest thing was the chain of command. You know, I called him up, and then, you know, I got to talk to Colonel, Colonel Green, and I asked him you know, you know, kind of what's going on with his guys and if you needed services he said well we got behavioral health and they got the army did a really good job you know they sent behavioral health they plussed up the chaplaincy presence and they, they really made sure that the resources that are automatic and available were there mm -hmm. and uh i thought well he's probably not gonna be interesting he said no we'll take anything if it's good if it's good for the soldiers and it passes the common sense test then yeah we'll do it tell us what you need us to do oh i'm like well just stand by let me find some horses because <laughs> There's a fast turnaround, a big, a big ask. So uh, I, I was, I was really impressed. I don't think if I had called up when I had gone through and I had talked to Sergeant Major Frogger, who recycled me in mountains, if he's listening, thank you, and probably needed that. <laughs> um, you know, I, he, he was a Sergeant Major, and it was 2007. You know, I mean, he'd probably have been like, "Yeah, that sounds like some hippie bullshit." <laughs> you know, <laughs> they can go talk to Psych or yeah. whatever they need to do. You know, just because yeah, generation culturally. Yeah. So that yeah. was sort of what what we were looking to do with, with Equine Immersion Project. Yeah. 
And, and that's important. Uh, to, I'm glad you just said the name of it. And there is an organization out there um, mm -hmm. that you guys yeah. can check out and everything. They have social media. You can find their website. Yeah. Uh, really e good organization. Yeah, eiproject.com um, is the website. And EI Project, you can find us at EIP, um, EI Project at um, any of the social media platforms. Yeah. Um, and so we're mobile. So from your perspective, seeing it from this side, not, now you heard it from Paul's perspective and why they felt like bringing it in. How did you guys look at it, you know? So um, first, I, I, I thought, you know, the Sergeant Major in BC, you know, excellent job, right? And, and BMOC came up, supported us uh, with some... BMOC is... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so behavior or what is it? Yeah, behavioral health from Martin Army Community Hospital. Okay. okay. Um, so they came up, and that and that was great, right? Yeah. We had them immediately on on station uh, to support both, you know, cadre and mm -hmm. students. Um, you know, the seventy fifth reached out, right? They gave us um, our two chaplains back. So nice. uh, Chaplain Bryce uh, Wiltermood, our mutual oh, yeah. friend. Yeah, I didn't know he's a chaplain now. He's a chaplain. Holy in, uh, smokes! I think Armib. Wow. Yeah. How yeah. um, ass. And then ours. Uh, our one that just left, um, Chaplain uh, Joe Kumar, he came okay. back, right? And then, because uh, our, our current chaplain, uh, Chaplain Cardinet, he was in airborne school. So okay. we didn't have any on the ground. So they gave us, you know, the 75th, sent those two up. They sent. Uh, That's awesome. They sent their psych up here as okay. well, uh, Major Simonette, um, which is good, right? And th they're investing in, I mean, you got to think, what, 30%, 40% of their our customer base is. Is, is their yeah. people. Mm -hmm. So they sent her up. Um, she hung out for a couple of days and provided services to, to all the students and some of the cadre as well. So, I mean, you know, that response from Fort Benning uh, was just amazing. Um, yeah. Equine Amer Immersion came in and, you know, that was a, an awesome, an awesome project. Um, I, I don't think there was a time when anyone was like, ah, this is dumb. You know that that doesn't cool. seem to be. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've we've moved past that. Uh, you know, at least um, at, at our where we're at now, this cohort in the army of sort of E8s and E9s. Um, I mean, you know, Sergeant Major Blackshear has his own you know experiences with behavioral health. Colonel Green has his own experiences. You know, behavioral health. I have mine. You know, mm -hmm. the uh, the unit let me leave. You know, to go to a four-day, you know, suicide prevention program, which was amazing. There was no questions asked. That's um, awesome. They've done it for anyone who was asked, right? So anyone that's been here, and I think there's been a few um, that have gone off to different programs. Wow. Like, hey, pull them off the schedule, send them. Like yeah. they are. Yeah, I think I think the army has has turned the corner um, as far as like supporting, um, you know, supporting soldiers' needs. Um, and, and that's great, at least here, you know, but yes. this is unique. Yeah. You know, it's a unique population and I haven't been back out in the force yet, you know, yeah. but you've got to, you know, you're talking what 1% of the army is here. Yeah. So maybe the rest of the army looks like that, but it doesn't matter yeah. because as we, you know, serve here and move out, right, that, right. you know, to, to the force, you know, we bring that with us. And that was why, uh, one of the reasons why, you know, for Sergeant Major, it's mm -hmm. like, hey, this is this is also NCOPD, right? This is how you this is how you do this. This is how you take care of soldiers when something like this happens. Um, That's excellent. Which was great because, you know, 
it's easy. The easy button is, hey, people die in combat, go. Right? Yep. Send it. But that's yeah. not it's completely different context. Right? Yep. We're in yeah. training. We're in this shouldn't I, happen here. Well, I, I, I don't I, I might disagree with you there because I think that, you know, we're and I think that's what people don't always realize is some of these jobs in the military are so dangerous. I mean, absolutely dangerous. There's a risk of death for what we did this morning. I mean, it was extremely dangerous. We had the best cadre in the world in great gear, so all that's mitigated, but those things still happen. I mean, you're in the mountains, and you're in perfect conditions to suffer from exposure, hypothermia, you know, any number of ailments, or you just slip on a wet rock and fall down a ravine. Mm. I mean, it could happen, and you're just walking down a trail on a Tuesday up here. So it's... You know, I, I think that there could still, if your chain of command wasn't as forward thinking and, and wasn't as invested in their people, you know, they could easily say, hey, this is a dangerous job. Accidents are going to happen. Lives will be lost. You guys reacted appropriately. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's That's your, true. here's your psych. Yeah. Good luck. And that would have been the old army. But I think you bring yeah. up a very valid point because war went on for 20 years, you have um, senior NCOs and officers today that didn't deploy just once. They deployed multiple times. They, they lost men. They lost, you know, um, teammates and everything else. They experienced it either, um, third party or, you know, a, a unit over here did and like a regiment did, let's send, you know, reinforcement, let's do what we need to do. And, yeah. and so they, you know, everybody's now understanding, um, what that means. I think that kind of stuff has to be passed on. Most importantly to a garrison, you think about the young people that are coming up in that garrison um, type of, we're not in war type of environment. Um, they're not going to be exposed to um, how do I take care of my soldiers in that way? You know, because you guys had the experience from combat and realize the importance of it and how people compress and it's not good. You know, and in your case, like you said, you, you, your own experience. Absolutely. I mean, and, 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 you know, all of, I think, you know, if you look at most of the people migrate, you know, or higher, I mean, I have a, we have a trail of suicide victims behind us, you know, unfortunately, like, and, and it's just the reality. It's like, Hey, like this is terrible and it's got to stop. And well, it's where, and, and in most cases, and it's probably true for you, I would guess it's more guys, more guys that I know have died of their own hand yep. than have died in combat. That's oh, right. yeah, that that's, I served that's, right. that's a by factual a, number. Yeah. By a large margin, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. I think it's more than double, yeah. almost triple. And it's, you're exactly right. It, that, that cannot happen. Yeah. And so I, I just, that was one of the, the reasons I had so much impetus to, to reach out to 5th Ranger Battalion is because, you know, 75th is a standard bearer of the Army, and I don't know if, you know, the RTPs, project that as much or, or if internalize that, but this is the leadership, small units leadership school. This is the standard for the army. And really for, I, I think the entire military in the United States, I don't think there's a better small unit course. So the Marines may have some good Sergeant courses and stuff. I know they're good, but I don't think it's like this. I don't think anything is like this. And all these, your, your medic, uh, your support guys, they're getting the best tutelage from the best NCOs. Those guys are going to go, they're either going to get out or they're going to go on and do great things in the military. And the fact that they got to see the army's response in action mm -hmm. and the resources available and a chain of command that's like, take everything they're going to give you. And then they also got to see, you know, like when immersion project come in and say, Hey, we've got 
a multi-state organization. We've got people locally and from afar that have come here to support you because like this, the community that you're fighting for, that you're serving, we're also here for you. And you're not just dealing with this alone. You know, this stuff that happens behind the fence or on the cantonment area or overseas, yeah, that's yours to carry, but you can come back and the people in your community, we want to share that burden with you. We want to alleviate some of that weight. And so, you know, everybody that got to participate in that program or see that it was happening, and it's quite a few people, they're all going to go on to do more and they're going to be leaders. I mean, that's just the nature of this place. And they're going to know, well, you know, if the army doesn't have it or it's insufficient for my needs because everything's unique, I can reach out to my community and there are going to be resources there. And if I support them as a leader, then my guys are going to do better. And so it's, it was an incredible, a terrible event, but an incredible opportunity. And I'm just really, really profoundly impressed that, that this unit just rose to the occasion. I was like, yeah, take care of my soldiers. Don't care how you do it. Take care of them. I'm like, okay, that's a big, big change. And what was interesting, you know, so, you know, there's there's obviously logistics, the nuts and bolts, like how do you connect these two organizations together? Yes. And, and you know, that was important, like working, getting that rep in, right? So it's like whether it's with equine immersion, okay, how do we pay for this, right? Like yeah. what's the funding mechanism? And yeah. so it's like, well, let's use what, uh, 75th, I think, I think was the ones that funded it, right? And so... Or it was uh, 75th, and there's a foundation up here called On Point One One that's run okay. by an old old school ranger. He's a plank holder from 175, if I'm not incorrect. Uh, Art Attaway. Yep. Art. And uh, Charlie Rock helped out. They sent uh, West Jarena, who was in the he was down in Florida in the in 95. Yeah. Those, those guys. Look, look look at all the things that you're describing there of how many people came yeah. together in a moment of crisis to make sure in and out of the yeah. military to take care of the community. Well, I mean, right. the Georgia Equine Rescue League paid for all the horses, you know, because this is, look, we don't, EIP doesn't, we'll accept volunteers, you know, of course, but for the most part, we want professionals and, it, and it's going to cost money. And the reason is because the most sophisticated an excellent piece of equipment and the most expensive piece of equipment that's irreplaceable in the military, it's the men and the mm. women that serve. You, human you know? capital. You yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't say you wouldn't take your you know twenty five thousand dollar sniper rifle and night scope and say, Hey, anybody want to volunteer to try and fix this thing? I'm about to go overseas. There it is. There we go. It's retreat. <laughs> All right. Wow, haven't experienced that in quite some time. Yeah, welcome home, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't. I don't think I've heard that in a long time either. Yeah, that's uh, the loudest microphone in the army. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah I mean, you guys have one. some serious speakers here. I, this that, is like yeah. what's crazy. That thing is. I think it's designed for like forehead, you know, because it's so. Loud. <laughs> the, the army just has one gigantic one that they with an NSN number on it, and I'll yeah, send it right. anywhere. <laughs> I hope you guys can hear this. Oh yeah, that's I could. Wonder if you can hear it in your headphones. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's loud. That's that's super loud. We'll wait till it goes awesome. by. But yeah, you can hear it up in the mountains. It's so freaking cool. <laughs> I think you guys might have upgraded since I've been here. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. you moved the flagpole too, I think. That's it's, right. It was closer to the, yeah. to the building. Yeah. For yourself, how was that, um, you know, the therapy and, and um, stuff like that that was being, did it help you in your own personal situation or were you still kind of removed from it where you weren't able to, to even get some effect from 
um, some of the equine therapy. I didn't know if you got a chance to go through some of that yourself personally. No, no. so we, we left um, we left that to the medics. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, be, you know, that's probably our, that's the most vulnerable population, right? They're the youngest, um, you know, guys out there, the least experience, um, and they're being asked to do something. That's their job, but also, right. like, for PFCs, like, that was a lot, right? Huge. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so like, hey, let's, let's get that to them. And, and again, I, I, you know, I, I think it's important, right, to highlight like getting that, like as NCOs and officers, how do we, how do, we do this? How do, we, how do we take care of soldiers, right? Because it's, it's not easy. Um, it's surprisingly difficult, right, to yes. move all those pieces together. And whether it's equine immersion or where they're at now, they're up there with a, up in uh, Camp High Harbor, up in Altoona in Georgia. Oh, cool. um, they're doing a retreat, they're right? They're doing a retreat up yeah. there. Yeah. So they're up there for two days, and, and that cost a ton of money, and it took, you know, um, moving resources around and connecting with various, you know, civilian organizations and NGOs to make that happen. And it's, it's a complex process, um, and navigating it, at least we've done it here, and now mm-hmm. I understand the process, right? Mm-hmm. So... God forbid something ever happens. Like I know that I can reach out to an NGO. I know the the means how to do this, right? Where, yeah. Wherever I'm going to be, I know yes. that there are VSOs out there that are way more than willing to help, right? Whether yeah. it's whether it's EIP, like there are countless VSOs out there just waiting there's, for the opportunity to help. Yeah, thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And there's a lot of resources, like as far as you know, the pragmatic stuff, like money. I mean, it's there. It's out there. And it's it's available, and I think that what everybody kind of zooms in on when they talk about suicide, or PTSD, or you know even MST, um, is like, well, what's the solution? As if there's a pill or a bullet, and the answer is there. There isn't a solution, and there isn't a one size fits all. And the idea is that, especially for my part, this is why I enjoy the equine um, side of things. I can introduce you to a healing modality that doesn't require you to take a pill and doesn't require you to talk to a stranger sitting on a couch and doesn't take up a lot of your time in the sense that you got to like go to this office and sit in this room and have this meeting with this person. You can do something enjoyable outside with your friends. Um, but it's that it shows you that what you thought was the way, which is, you know, pills or you know, abstinence from alcohol or, just going to church all the time. Like, there's other ways, and you, you can find them and try them. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. You, you probably still got a benefit out of it, but it gives a lot of people the impetus to try something new mm-hmm. and continue to seek that healing. And I always say, like, I like horses because it shows people the first steps on the path to healing. And sometimes that path is all horses. You know, for me, that's kind of kind of how it was. I do, I do talk therapy and stuff like that too, but. Um, Brothers, they're going to see that and they're like, well, it didn't help me, but help my buddy. And I like dogs or I like boats or I like whatever else it may be. Maybe they like talk therapy or maybe yeah. it gives them, you know, the the will to keep seeking a therapist that's going to click mm-hmm. with them and, and be able to provide some some good services. I, I think you bring up, you know, a good point. And it's, you know, 10 years ago, 
has been completely unacceptable. Like 10 right. years ago, if I, if I told people like, yeah, man, I wake up in the morning, um, I do about a half hour of yoga, then I meditate for 20 yeah. minutes. People are like, are you crazy? Like, what are yeah. you doing right now? You know? <laughs> when and when like, do you have time to deadlift and eat bacon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but okay, fine. That's what yeah. I need to do, right? That's, that's what I have to do in the morning, right? That gets me ready um, for my day. And that way I can, I can be aware and in the moment and present and the army has developed an app. Like there's a mindfulness app. That teaches, no joke. Yeah. Oh, From I didn't army. even know about that. Yeah. Well, you got to tell us oh, about this. There's an, there an army. Mindfulness app. The army has developed, a, a TRADOC has developed a mindfulness app. It'll teach you wow. mindfulness, a series of steps, right? I mean, it's kind of army-ish, right? But they, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yep. They made a mindfulness app. Wow. I mean, well, first of all, the army made an app. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's, let's celebrate that. For let's a just enjoy that incredible accomplishment. Welcome. To and, it. and the purpose behind it, um, you know, again, it shows and demonstrates just how far the army has come in such a short time frame. Yeah. And it's because they recognize that, um, you know, people are important. Human capital is important and stuff. And back in the day, it was more of just, yeah, well, I can just rotate and find another one. You know, type of thing. And yeah, we all deal with it. Suck it up, you yeah. know, type of thing. I, I think, if I'm honest, I think it's just, it's from, it's a lack of understanding, right? And, and so, and really a shifting in perspective. And the way I think of it now is, you know, back in the day, you would think, hey, I have to apply stress. I need you to be able to perform under stress. And I need you to be able to do that all the time, right? And so you would just constantly apply stress to soldiers. You know, you're screaming at them, smoking them, whatever, right? Constantly keeping them this high level of stress. So when stress does occur, right, they're, they've proven that they can deal with it. Um, but I think we find now, right, that soldiers are far more capable if they're mindful. If I'm not freaked out and elevated, my amygdala mm -hmm. is the size of an orange, right? <laughs> like my reptile brain. Um, and the way that I think of it is when I watch a ranger platoon when they first get here, right? Do I want... A range platoon where I tell them they have to do five things and they all get in the center and start yelling and running around all over the place and right. get nothing done and I have to insert myself into the situation and fix it for them. Or do I want the platoon that leaves here where I give them five things and they quietly go about getting it done? They're, now they have individual purpose mm. and they just right. make it happen. You can tell very good ordered um, units by how quiet they are as they accomplish their mission. Well, how much guidance has yeah. got to be given, right? Because I should be able to look at you and just be like, right? And then yeah. we know, you know what that means. Yeah. We're all sitting in office, a mission comes in, and then I'm sitting there, I'm Big Sarge, and you just look at me, and then you leave. Nothing yeah. is said, and you know exactly what to do, right? Yep. That's a good organization. A bad organization is we're all sitting in the office, the mission comes in, and we all start yelling at each other, right? That's a terrible yeah. organization. So why would we train people to act like that all the time? That makes sense. Oh, man, I that love it. I could go down this conversation for so long <laughs> because, um, you know, even in the private sector in, in my company that I belong to, where we talk a lot about, um, because I brought it to the table, commander's intent. And, and as long as everybody understands commander's intent, you know, then everybody now knows how it aligns. I know where true north is now. I know where I'm supposed to go, mm -hmm. what the direction is. I've just got to make sure I align everybody towards that. And I know what that vision, what that strategy is. Now I got a tactical exercise here that I got to, you know, participate in. And my role in that to make that work and be successful.
And and that's something like we go back to the very beginning. It's not always embedded in the private sector. We're not taught management leadership courses the way the military is, right? And this is the one of the best courses out yeah. there as well to do that in. But yeah, I think what you're talking about is you get to that sense where you're really a cohesive team understanding commander's intent what the vision is and everybody has a role and you're trying to teach that also right here through the course right yeah exactly in a short amount of time really absolutely so let's talk about how mindfulness has helped you because i i've experienced like you've described that frantic feeling where you're like i've got shit to accomplish and you know later in my career and I, you know the baggage it started to pile up you know the personal stuff and the stuff from overseas or whatever and you know you might my, my stress threshold was just zero you know like as soon as the stress entered the chat i was like all caps <laughs> you know just uh and you, you range it through and it's okay and it works right you know and it, it's effective although it is not the most effective and it's not sustainable no so what's the difference for you with can you describe mindfulness and how that so the way contrast to like your before you started doing this regimented morning routine yeah so i was really struggling with the concept of of being integrated right and so okay. i'm at work i'm master sergeant cummings right okay. at at home i'm a i'm a father to my children i'm right. also a husband and then i'm also jeremy right, right. so I'm, I'm four different people and integrating those four different people huh. is difficult right and it completely huh. robs you of, of all your vitality, if you're trying to balance four different personalities, right. right? So mindfulness helps me just be me, present in the moment, right? Just okay. present. Doesn't matter. I have no expectations of like, hey, I, I have to be this guy to you, right? I have right. to be Master Sergeant Cummings to you. I can just be in the moment with you, and yeah. I'm not nervous. You know, I'm a little nervous because I'm on a podcast, but you know, I'm not like freaking out, you know, I didn't yeah. pace around like, you know, pre prior to, you know, sort of going, you know, starting these, these practices, right. I probably would have freaked out and paced around and came in here all crazy. Right. And it's yeah. like, why there's two dudes and some microphones, right? Like, um, so we ought to, that should be our tagline, man. Two dudes and some microphones. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Um, I like that. It was a song, what is it? Never mind. That was a, yeah. No, that was a video. <laughs> that was something else. Yeah. That was something else, dude. <laughs> if you're laughing um, along, you, you but, need Jesus. <laughs> but, you know, my wife, um, my whole family is so much happier, right? Yeah. It's just like, I, I don't have to be four different people. I don't have to feel like I need time for me to be Jeremy. I can just be, just be. What you just said, though, is the challenge for most people who went to deployment, had a tough go, come back. They don't have the opportunity to decompress, and they run into the four people that they have to be that everybody's expecting them to be, whereas they were only one right. in that situation. Oh, it's life's so much easier at downrange. I just got to be one dude. I just got to be one dude. Yeah. That's it, right? And I have a, a sole purpose. Yeah. You know? Um, it's difficult. You come home and it, it's not like it was. Like it's not after World War II or we're riding on a ship back you yeah. know, for a month and we get we're in a container, you know, a closed space where we work through our stuff together. Um, but you know, we also can't 
lock people in a container right. in, in Erevjan, you know, like stay here and decompress for a <laughs> yeah. it's not, you know, it's not going to work. It's just the modern society. It's difficult. You ask people to be a warrior, mm -hmm. right? And then come back. All right. Yeah. 24 hours later, hey, stop being a warrior. Yeah. And, and, and people will say things like, hey, you guys just got to learn how to turn it off. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> like, great. Elaborate. Yeah. What does it turn it off? What does that mean? You know, that's um, excellent. I like I like your response to that. I haven't I haven't heard that, but I I have thought that very vaguely. You know, like like what is that? Yeah, yeah. Just turn it off. It's interesting. So the Greeks had an interesting way of doing this. Um, so labyrinth, right? Okay. Yeah. Labyrinth. So it's not a maze. You walk in one way, you go in the center, you come out the same way that you entered. Right. Um, okay. So what they would do is they would walk in mm -hmm. in their armor. Um, they would. Along the way to the center, you know, they'd stop and say some random stuff to some people or whatever, get to the center, mm -hmm. take their armor off, lay their sword down, and then leave out of the center and become whatever they declared themselves to be. Wow. Right? So I did not know that. I I've thought that it was just mazes, you know. So <laughs> go in there a warrior, yeah. and come out a farmer or whatever it is huh. you're supposed to be. Because they realized that they needed something, some ritual. We're we're narrative ritual creatures right mm -hmm. and sure that's that's what they used elaborate so but they, the, came, they came out the they walked in as a warrior and came out as a farmer the way they did that though in that they they explain that and it's a known thing so that it helps your therapy it would sound like because it's like all right I, you're giving me a passage or a path by which i can morph and or shed yeah and and we don't wasn't it somebody who mentioned something like this on one of the episodes around how the um native americans used to treat you know post-war post-combat type of thing and that they would go through a ritual yeah and as a warrior uh type of ritual or something it was very if i if memory serves me correctly and i'm sure somebody's going to contact me and and tell me the right way but um i i thought it was some type of ritual that is basically to do the same thing um, I think it's one to acknowledge you're a warrior, but then to help that healing, right? And so, that break. So yeah, yeah, it's time to stop being a warrior, right? They yeah. do a very good job of yeah. integrating us. You know, I, I'm sure. Oh yeah. You remember, like everyone who went to Honor Hill, mm -hmm. you can close your eyes. I can still see it, right? Oh yeah. Fire the whole ceremony. Oh yeah. I don't remember the, the entire grog. ceremony. The grog. Yeah. You can remember it. I can still feel. I can smell moment, it, right? Like you know? I, I, I can smell it because <laughs> that early Georgia morning. Ritual is powerful. Oh, yeah. Um, but we don't do a good job when we get back. Oh, and maybe, you know, we don't know what we don't know, right? Right. So, so that yeah. I'm not blaming it. I'm not making anybody wrong for it. No, well, we didn't know. I, I think we didn't know that, one, it could be done or should be done. And, you know, at the same time, needs must. We're deploying so quick, especially in regiment, you know, yeah. but all the entire military was deploying so much. It's like just get to work you know like we, there because there was so much to be done and so few people to do it i think it's the same thing when you when they get out of the army though right the, the look at the ceremony to become an infantryman and then the yeah. ceremony to retire mm -hmm. ceremony to retire feels way more like here's an aam yeah mm -hmm. than, yeah then honor hill with fire at night you yeah. know drinking grog with your friends yeah like, yeah, and like being welcomed, and you know, like welcome into the club, welcome the sacred the blue cord of yeah. the infantry, exactly. and you're like, "Fuck, I get to put this on." <laughs> yeah, you know, and then when you get out, like, "Hey, here's this." Yeah, here's here's a letter from a president. This, 
It doesn't feel the same, right? It doesn't have yeah. the same sort of vibe. Yeah. Well, and if you don't retire, you don't get anything. You, you get your ETS award, maybe, if you write it yourself Yeah. very often. And then you, 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 know, you get your letter from the president and your flag, and on you go. There's there is no a, ritual. There is a retirement ceremony that I didn't attend because I just felt like, all right, I'm, I'm done with, you know, bring your weapon, you know, bring your unit to or whatever. And I just oh, like, I mean, that, that's the flashback or the whatever yeah. memory that I had. And I didn't even want to hear about it. It's like, you know, if it's an option, then I option out, you know, yeah. type of thing. But, um, but you're right. There isn't a, a true, we do so, we spend so much money take so much time to develop and mold individuals into whom we want them to be in the military, you know, the type of soldier, airman, you know, you know, whatever sailor and stuff, Marine. And then they, you, you it's time for you to go. And what's worse is when you get medical discharge and it's like a, Hey, you're out 30 days yeah. and you're, you were still in the process, not even really wrapping your head around it. Yeah. And boom, all of a sudden you just came off a deployment. You're injured. You got to find a job now. And especially if you're married, you got bills to pay. You're the four people before you left. You're the one person now and you come back and you're trying to be the four. And it's like, it's too much. Well, and and there's this new thing where you've got the warrior transition units or maybe the warrior transition battalions now. But, you know, if you're in need of a body at your unit and one is hurt, you send it to the WTB or WTU. Well, that's, that's worse because... And now you're... You know, you're in a unit you didn't integrate with, and and those are not placed back home. I don't know how those are now, but those weren't that good. Don was a commander of one of those. Some are good, some are bad. I remember the first one on Fort Benning was, I, I, uh, my good buddy James Webb. Yeah, we were good buddies then. We, he broke every bone on the right side of his body in a motorcycle accident, which I was there for. I wasn't riding on the same motorcycle that time, and. <laughs> you know, I, I had to sleep in his barracks room at the WTU while I was in sniper school because the cadre there were a bunch of National Guard guys and not the best NCOs at all. They're probably the worst NCOs I've ever encountered. They were trying to beat him up. They, If guys weren't towing the line and, you know, doing stuff that they asked them to do, which a lot of it was very unreasonable, they'd soap you, you know, <laughs> like socks and, socks and soap. And there was one morning I had... Um, I was up getting ready to go to sniper school because I had to wake up just a little bit earlier than their people had to for their formation. And there's a knock on my buddy's door and then a key in it. And they come in and I was up and I was in uniform. Thankfully, it's a ranger all over my shit. And they're like, what, what the heck's going on here? And I'm like, well, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, well, we came to talk to James Webb. And I was like, I know what you're here for. <laughs> and they're like, well, I'm like, I have my cell phone. I'm like, I can call regiment right now. Or you guys can come in here and try to do what you need to do, you know? And they're like, oh, we just wanted to give them some paperwork and blah, blah, blah. We must have left it in the office and they took off. And this is a true story, 100% true story. And I was like, all right. So I woke my buddy up. I'm like, you might want to get the fuck out of the barracks. <laughs> and then I went off to, to sniper school. But that's how I attended sniper school. I slept in those, in the WTU wow. barracks on the floor next to my buddy because he was in danger. I would like to think that we've advanced beyond that, right? I mean, that was a... Well, I think by and large we have, but I mean, as recently as last year, you know, I I was helping a soldier who was in a very, very similar situation. And it wasn't just him, it was many of his soldiers as well. He was a platoon sergeant. And the treatment that they were receiving was, you'd think these guys had earned a ticket to Gitmo. I mean, these are people who would... 
vocalize, you know, they had suicidal ideation or a suicidal attempt or self-harm attempt. And their response was to take this guy, put him in a red jumpsuit, lock him in a room at the hospital for an indeterminate amount of time until whatever behavioral health professional they could scrounge up could show up. Sometimes it was 24 hours. Sometimes it was longer. Sometimes they'd hold them longer anyhow. And you're in an orange jumpsuit. You know, you're you're being watched like on fire guard or suicide watch by guys from your unit. Like not your battalion, your platoon. So you might be a PFC who's just getting your dick kicked in by specialist asshole. And now that guy's locked in a room with you and you're in a jumpsuit and he's in his uniform and you're fucking waiting for somebody to make time to come and take care of your mental health. I mean, it was just atrocious. I mean, I, Secretary of the Army, his office got involved. I mean, it was, there was an IG investigation that started and then was stopped and is is like toxic leadership to the core. It and definitely that was very, very recent. And I, I would believe, because I've kind of keep an eye on who's in charge of, of that unit. I don't think anything's changed at all. That's very at that unit. Yeah. But I, I think that is more isolated yeah. than it used to be. Much, much more. Yeah. I mean, with with the advent of, you know, you look at SMAP. What's you know, that? What's SMAP? So that's where, you know, uh, it's the senior. Like a military advisor? I forget, or, I forget the oh exact man, acronym. Stumped yeah, him with an acronym. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You get a major plus. A major plus. Uh, uh, Star school. major assessment program. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and, and you know, the uh, commanders have the, a very similar one as well. Right. Um, so they go off to Fort, Fort Knox, right? If you're going to go be a, a nominative Star major. And I, I think they'll... They'll drop it down um, probably to the battalion level. But okay. basically, like, you go do some PZ tests, do some psych evals, you do some interviews, we mm -hmm. find out, like, who you really are. Wow. Um, you do some psychological assessments. Wow. And, and so they're a lot more um, stringent. I mean, some people are going to slide through, right? Right. Like, right. And it's um, a human system. That's how it goes. Right. Um, but, I, I mean, overwhelmingly, it seems to be, it's they seem to like it. The other yeah. thing that... The Army's instituted is the you know Project Athena. So, as we as we get ready to to fleet this thing out. So right now, it's if you go to a NCOS system, right? I'll recommend you know five people to to rate me on my leadership qualities. They'll fill out a survey about me. Um, the intent is is that instead of me picking. It's just a random selection, cross-section oh. of, of my organization that I'm in charge of. Oh, like, wow. Hey, you five people, you will rate this dude, and he will never know who, who put it out. Oh, wow. Do you get to see those ratings? You, from my understanding, is you get to see the roll-up, the assessment. Okay. Right? And it's like, hey, this is where you're strong. This is where you're weak. Okay. You know, here are a couple of comments. So they, they kind of take it. And yep. I've been through this, not in the military, but out. It can be brutal. Yeah, it's really? it's an it's it's an eye opener exercise that really allows you insight into how your <clears throat> your peers, <clears throat> excuse me, as well as your subordinates, wow, um, view you, and you may be much higher on yourself than the way they perceive you. That's right. Wow. Or, or and and you see this too. I've I've seen this with sometimes <clears throat> you see it with subordinates where um, 
they've got like imposter syndrome. Like, oh, I'm yeah. not a good squad leader. It's like, no, you're a great squad leader. And they don't believe it, right? Yeah. And maybe right. this, you know, hey, you are a good squad leader. Like, this is what your results say. Or maybe you're a bad squad, like you're saying. There's mm-hmm. a lot of that too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a great squad. I'm like, eh, not really, dude. Yeah. You know? And it takes this <laughs> thing. Hey, the yeah. Army said you're not a good squad leader, right? So I don't know what the program is that you're talking about, but what I was describing I think is around the fatal flaws because that's part of what they uh, introduced to you is what they determine are your fatal flaws. I don't know. Is it similar? No, okay. I, I, I've, I've yeah, so they call the, the fatal flaws of those things that um, – you know, some may not be correctable, but they should be. Uh, and, and those things, those traits or behaviors that you're bringing that you need to actually correct uh, because they are career-ending, you know, fatal flaws kind of things. You, yeah. need to, you need to work on that skill set. You need to work on changing your behavior this way. You need to, you know, people see you as this type of leader and not as this type of leader. Because in your test, you said that you're this type of leader, but your people are saying you're this type. That's you right. know, yeah, yeah. That's right. yep. So th- it, it might be the similar type of curriculum. It's just in a different type of format. But uh, you know, I wish that kind of stuff actually could be more widely used within all you know branches and everything. But you're saying it's going across now all NCOES or just at the highest senior level? So I, I mean, I did it um, in MLC. Um, they are doing it in SLC as well now. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So it's almost, it's almost like a, a different way to do peers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, it is. It's like a 360. Do you do, yeah. do you do peers here yeah. where at the end of, and, and I'll explain it because not everybody is familiar, but you, one of the ways that you, ha- one of the things you have to do to pass Ranger School, you have to pass peers. And at the end of each phase, your team or squad, they're going to evaluate you. And everybody in that squad is going to essentially be ranked in order. And if you're at the bottom, you know, alone if you're not tied at the bottom because there's two shit bags or tied at the bottom because there's two people they don't want to get rid of you're, you're going to recycle and if your peers bad enough you're dropped yep. if I, at least that's how it was that's, that's right. how i remember it, yeah, it so. is it, it's the top and the bottom right you recognize who is it you'd want to go to mm-hmm. combat with and then yeah. who is it you'd like to leave behind yep. you know yeah yep. exactly and it's I, I think it's highly effective i mean it's they've never been wrong in my experience you know like as I went through the different phases here, I'm like, oh yeah, those guys are the turds. And yeah. I am the most motivated shit bag you're gonna, <laughs> in this squad. And that was my, that was my peer. Yep. I was up there frequently. Yeah. Uh, well, so what's, uh, what's next for sergeant somewhere? What's the, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go off to Hawaii. Oh, Another shoot. person going to Hawaii. What's yeah. the, you got a chain going on here that's of, right. uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Somebody pulling you across, or because uh, that's that's two NCOs, senior NCOs, both going to Hawaii. I mean, so you know, if you serve as an RI, like you're going to be at the top of your yeah, numbers, right. It just yeah. is what it is. So you know, as we go into the EMC cycle, um, I think the I rated them both Hawaii slides uh, top two. Yeah, Ryan Ryan put them up there as well. So yeah, we're going to Hawaii. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So and you guys will be together there as well, or yeah. Uh, no, he's going to a different battalion. Okay. Yep. yep. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. I was going to say same battalion, but just different, um, you know, companies or what. But you're going to different yeah. battalions altogether. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So when do you leave? Same time he does. Oh nice. man, <laughs> too nice. Yeah, we showed up together. We're leaving together. We, wow. we went through the nice. uh, like uh, the RITEP process together, me and Ryan. So yeah, he's good people. Yeah, did it start all in this room here that we're in? Right here. Wow. Yeah, so as I understand it, this is where you guys really teach 
ranger instructors or at least the classroom instruction portion of it right to get them ready before they have to stand in front of people and and even before that you have them mock that but i mean this is kind of where it starts class starts that's right yeah so right in here we learn all of our doctrine uh so um you know you go through 3-90 um you go through infantry platoon you're going through op terms and graphics like you do you do a lot um you do a lot in this room and then we get ready to uh, to pitch the operations order, um, which is which is critical, right? Because once you understand operations order, specifically step three, like mm-hmm. everything else sort of opens up. Like once I can, once I can make a detailed plan, I can I can teach ambush and raid all day, um, and and that's what we bring when we leave here too. So yeah. like TLP instructors go out in the army, right? Everyone we're supposed to be doing the TLPs, but you know, yeah, it, it's. It's easy to shortcut yeah, that. It's easy. It's very easy. So, yeah, we we're able to bring that back to the force. It's it's awesome. Yeah, awesome. awesome. And it's almost like your own Abrams Charter, where you're, you know, just refining and learning to the point of the closest possible human perfection, and then you take it out to the rest of the force. That's right. I mean, your purpose here is to teach students, and that's why you have to have that proficiency. But the benefit of not just the students that leave here, but the cadre that leaves here is just i think it's a little undervalued it by, oh, by large i mean i mean i'm sure the army the army invests in this in this school and they, they take care of you guys make sure you're staffed properly so i don't think it's the army side but no i mean and and anyone that's served under an ri like i've served under, yeah. under RIs before and it's like oh my god that guy is awesome right like just knowledge wise yeah you know um, I've I've always had great experiences with RIs. Yeah, except well, for that guy that remembers you and has a flashback and I going, mean, yeah. "Oh my gosh, our first sergeant's thinking, all right, you know." <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. If you remember, I think if you can remember your RIs names for more than like a month after you're done with school, like you're getting too much sleep or something. I don't remember. I, yeah, I do. I barely remember my class number. I'm pretty sure I got it wrong. Well, I, I, <laughs> you recycle. That's probably you probably have two of them. You just don't remember the right one. So um, I will give you a secret, though, because one of the things that we've heard so much from the people um, when they found out that we were coming here is take the recipe with you, the blueberry pancakes. There seems to be a hit. So if you know how to make them, then, you know, you're going to be a golden for those who went through here. That's right. Something That's about fifth yeah. RTB and, and blueberry pancakes. Right. You know, they go hand in hand. Yeah. So. No, no. I mean, I mean, honestly, you come back and uh, they're really not that um, good. But when you're starving to death, um, when you're starving to death, like, you know, you got to eat. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I agree. I think the uh, what we've been told, you know, we asked about the blueberry pancakes um, yesterday and they go, well, you know, they don't always make them and everything else. And it was uh it's okay. I, I can go home without blueberry pancakes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if, if we've got some time, I'd yeah. like to. So, I went to a veteran suicide program. Yes. Right? I'd like to kind of hit That's on that. Oh, absolutely. Was this a, an NGO or was this a yep. military thing? Okay. Yep. So, I went to the uh, Save a Warrior Project okay. up, in, up in Ohio. And uh, great, great experience. Not heard of them. Okay. That's uh, great. You had a chance to talk to, to Jake Clark. Uh, is the founder up there, um, or Adam Carr? He's, he's, I think, co-founder of it. Like those guys are are great. Um, and I'll tell you that that program saved my life. Absolutely saved my life. Um, tell us a little bit about what it was, what what you experienced through that process, or is it something that rather keep you know, yeah, so high level at least, um, you know, what you can expect. 
I can I can talk about some of it. So it's it's structured in a way that um, it's almost like a selection, right? So if you go to selection, if you give if you give pieces of it away, they're not you're not going to get an accurate assessment. Mm, so, that that makes sense. Um, okay, but yeah, if I I, I wouldn't want to rob anyone's experience, but I'll tell you, it was. You know, normally people go off to these things. It's like, oh, how was it? And Sergeant right. Drew, he's like, worth it? Ah, I guess not. Like, no, profound experience. Like, really? up there with having kids, that's how proud, profound it was for me. Wow. That, that life-changing for me. Really? Um, yeah, I was, I was, you know, like I said, I was struggling with it, with that stuff, integration. Um, and, you know, I had a friend here that, that went through, told me about it, and I decided, hey, I gotta, I gotta save my life. I gave that guy a call, and he said, "Hey, are you ready to be open and vulnerable and and willing?" And I was like, "Yes, I'm, I'm ready." Awesome. And, uh, he's like, "Okay, we've got some <clears throat> some ruthless compassion for you," and that's wow. That's wow. I love that. Yeah. Wow. He's Interesting. Like, he's like, "I'll give you some ruthless compassion. I'll never lie to you, right?" And uh, and they do an amazing job with what they do. Um, they use sort of the model of the Joseph Candle's monomyth, right? Hero with a thousand faces. Okay. Um, so separation, integration, um, or separation, yeah, integration, return. You return back to society with what you've learned. Very much of Very what we were talking about earlier in terms yeah, of the like labyrinth that. and... That's right. And is this a lot of talk-based stuff or different modalities or... So they used to do equine... Okay. Up there, they they do sometimes. I think they might do. They do some ropes courses. Okay. Um, okay. They've got a guy, Brad Gallup. He's their equine um, specialist. Really. Um, Brad Gallup, equine specialist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uncle Uncle Brad. He's a good How dude. How appropriate. That's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so they they um, there's a lot of there's a lot of listening. Um, okay. And they minimize the amount of talking that we will do with each other okay. Um, versus like we're sitting here and you're up on a stage and you're talking to us. Okay. So it's very like fo individual focused and that way they stay on target. Right. Okay. Um, Cause we don't want to be fixing other people. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You're Which there for yourself. I mean, you're an NCO. You want to do that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. These guys fucked up. Want to help them. Cause I, cause I want to avoid dealing with my own stuff. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I'd, I'd rather fix that. you. <laughs> fix me. Feeling right? personally attacked, but okay. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, no, I mean, that's from my experience, right? That's, yeah, that's right. how I have it. Um, Same. But I'll tell you, like, they, it was a great organization. I'm still tied in with them. Like, I, I nice. do work with them. So they, they do some continuing support as well? Yes. That's yeah. excellent. And uh, now you're helping them also. Absolutely. As an alumni. As an alumni, yeah. yeah. So I, I work with guys getting ready to go. Um, That's awesome. Not in an official military capacity, obviously. Right. Yeah. But just, you know, personally. No, but it's a great testament of what you're talking about that, um, unfortunately, there are a lot of programs out there, or fortunately or unfortunately, but I'm saying there are a lot of programs out there, but unfortunately, they don't get all heard about because there's not this type of platform to bring them forward. So some of them don't get the the opportunity to really come out of the limelight. And, and I had not heard of this one. I hear about a lot of uh, nonprofits and yeah. um, I, what I'll do Jeremy is get the information from you so that we can at least put that within the show notes for those who may be interested, because I, I'm, I'm sure that somebody's going to hear this and hear your story and go, all right, um, how do I find out more? You know, I mean, if Jeremy had that kind of success, 
I, yeah. I, I want to experience that as well. I've got a, I've got a stat for you. Okay. Ni- 1900 alumni, nine suicides. Wow. For a suicide Holy prevention sh- program. That's, that's huge. That's pretty good. No, that's, wow. that's, that's huge. So, wow. yeah. And, and honest. That's the other thing. It's honest. <laughs> yeah. It's a oh, real yeah. statistic. You know I mean? There's some organizations out there and they're, they're very ambitious in their goals. Like, this is going to be, we're going to end it. And it's yeah. never going to happen again. And it's like, that's not, not yeah. realistic, but right. you can right. definitely make a change. That's, that's very interesting. Um, and how long is it? Save a Warrior Project? Yep. Civil Warrior Project. How long do you, is it always the same amount of time you go for? Four days. Four days. Okay. Yep. Four days. And could you go back? Is it that kind of program or do you think it would be? You, you could. They have, okay. they've had people go back. Okay. Um, it's interesting. He it, it says, you know, people call me and they don't do the work, you know, the 500 days after work. Oh, okay. Uh, you don't do the work, right? And he's like, you know, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, did you meditate? Yeah. Don't call me until you meditated. I don't even want to talk to you. Right? You, nice. better, you better not be drunk nice. or anything like that. Like you better have meditated. You're going to meditate and then call me. Right. Yeah. And that, that's a big part of it. Right. Is like the meditation piece because, you know, being present, it helps. Um, yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds a lot different than, than most of the programs I've, you know, heard of or interacted with or, or what have you. Um, it sounds like there's some, some different angles to it. So that's, that's encouraging. I always like when there's another option because, mm-hmm. you know, well, it's like it's you not said, a one size fits all. Right, I was just getting ready to say the same <clears throat> thing. Yeah. It's like you were talking about earlier, you know, you went through seven therapists before you found the right one. And yeah. it's for some people they get lucky on the first, for some, they never keep going back. But mm-hmm. what you're, you're talking about is so important that I hear, um, often through some of these nonprofits is that you have to put in the post work. You have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to go there and give the silver pill or the, the yeah. bullet and stuff and say, here you go. This is it. All you got to do is take this pill. Yeah. Gone. You're good. You know, yeah, it, no. it's a work in progress. Yeah. You'll be great for about two weeks and then it wears off. Right. Yeah. Now yeah. You're just back to being raggedy. You No, you got to do the work every day. You yeah. know, I've, you've got to stay invested in, in yourself. Right. And, and why? Yeah. You, right what's your purpose and for me like it's my family and yeah. you know my career you know if i'm if i'm not working on myself um i can't be of service to the, the people that i work with yep. and, yeah and i definitely can't support my family in the way that i need yeah well i mean it helps you i'm sure understand that the four people are still one that's right it's still the same person that's right standing or sitting here before us yeah. You know, yep. and, uh, you know, and, and some of us, you know, we go through life and we, we don't even recognize that there are multi pieces, you know, there's, there are a number of different mm-hmm. pieces of us because we've never been in a situation where that's been kind of ripped apart. And so that you gotta, you gotta fix that tear, you know, right. and put it back together again for normalcy. But that's where I think, you know, we've talked about on this episode or on this podcast that, um, Sometimes it's a new normal, and you've got to get comfortable in your own skin once again. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And your family. And it's a, it's a hard transition for everybody around you. Yeah. It's extremely hard. I mean, you build a persona through your service. Right. And, and it's, it's funny how much you can take that persona in your resume and confuse that with who you really are. Yeah. I mean, I've, 
I'm not an army ranger. I'm not a sniper. I'm not whatever the hell I was in the military. I just did that. Yeah. And now I can do something else. And I wasn't that before. I was something completely different. But it's you know, I mean, it's easy to say that. It's hard to integrate that into a you know a That's daily right. thing and and feel good about it. Let me ask you this question because I think <clears throat> so often it's so easy to get discouraged. And I think so many people they take that first step, and and then the results are just jarringly disappointing. You know, so I mean, you get a bad therapist. My first therapist after I realized that you know maybe going overseas and doing the things I did, I need to talk to somebody about. She fell asleep, man. I was like, yeah, she must have had a rough day. I've fallen asleep at work. I'm a ranger. <laughs> We'd sleep anywhere we can. So I went back again and she fell asleep again. And I was like, okay, I'm telling war stories and she's falling asleep. And like, I know these are exciting war stories, you know, like shoot. <laughs> and it was extremely discouraging, but I was in a place where like, I'm going to lose my career. I'm going to lose the people I care about and, you know, probably lose my life too, um, through risk taking behavior, um, at a minimum. So I kept going, you know, and I found, I found some good people, but um, if you had gone to this program and you had come away and you'd felt like it was ineffective or you felt like you were disappointed with the results, would you try another program? Yeah. A different modality? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, at, at that point in my life, I mean, I, I realized, and, and you know, I, th I think if I had gone five years before, like maybe it, maybe it wouldn't have worked. Right. Um, because when I made the decision to go, like I was, okay, I'm trying to save my life. Right. I have to do something mm -hmm. to save my life. That's where I was in in my path, right? Five mm -hmm. years ago, maybe I maybe I wasn't there. Um, and to your point earlier, right? Like my son, mm -hmm. yeah, and that, that's part of it too. Is like my son doesn't need me to be an army ranger right now. You know, like yeah. I don't need to be an army ranger in my kitchen. Yeah, uh, and and that's what I was doing, right? Um, and, and and nobody wants to be that guy, right? You right. want to go home and like be an RI to yeah. your family, right? I'm knife handing people, you know. There's, There's some of them out there. I mean, that's true. There's some that's of them true. out there. True. <laughs> but, true. but no, I agree with you. Most people. Yeah. What, I, what I appreciate about this and you bringing that forward is that um, in talking about this subject, at least, is that one of the people that made, I think, in hearing your story and knowing you for the last six years is that someone who made a profound statement that really helped you was the first sergeant who came forward yeah. and... Yeah. Maybe maybe share that again for those who haven't heard. And, of course, Jeremy hasn't heard this. Yeah. Uh, first, first Sergeant Anderson, who, th to give you some background, this guy was in just, when you think of old school, high and tight ranger, that was just balls to the wall, like rip doesn't stop when you graduate ranger, that was him. He was just such a hard-ass, great leader, I think, and very, very competent, but hard. I mean, the guy's made of woodpecker lips. And he's insane completely insane you know i mean he was a weapon squad leader he'd make his guys like his new guys like you're getting a tattoo of our squad logo or something like that i mean that's a story i heard i don't know if that's true so in case he gets in trouble for that that's not my <laughs> fault but you know that's who he is and and just hard hard and impenetrable kind of guy that you just you just want to say roger first starting to get the fuck out of out of the blast zone and we came back from a deployment we'd been back for i think a couple weeks or maybe a month we we're back from block leave and he discussed the whole HHC information. And he's like, gentlemen, this is it. And he just lays it out. He's like, I'm an alcoholic. He's like, my children are feral. My marriage is failing. My wife's going to leave me because I'm a fucking maniac. He's like, and I, you know, all these things. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to make it. He's like, and my body's trash. You know, I'm living on 
you know, whatever the medic can give me, and I can still do my job. You know, and he's you know, full of pins and rods now. <clears throat> but he said, you know, I'm seeking counseling, and you guys can seek counseling, and on all of this. And I'm like, holy smokes! If this guy won, if this guy needs it, I need it because he's so freaking tough. And I'm like, maybe this this close, uh, or this much of that toughness. He's a little tiny iota of that. And if he's willing to say it and go out and do it, like then I need to too, because like you said, you know, you're, you, you want to do right. You want these, these young people to be mentored by you. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm following your example because just like the badges on your, if I want those badges on your, your chest, on my chest, if I want that rank that you have on my chest, if I want your position, I got to do what you do. And this is going to be part of it. And that was, that gave me the impetus to do it. I think it saved my life, honestly, because that was the first step to seeking mental health services is the first step to just admitting that, you know, I knew I was fucked up, you know, because you do six ranger deployments, you know, <laughs> you're like, yeah, you were fucked up. But I thought that was okay. I thought, you know, you're so indoctrinated, it's like, it's fine. I will be the ranger in the kitchen, knife handed the toaster when it doesn't pop when I think it should, or, or you know, screaming and yelling at my kids for their whatever it may be. Because it's it works over there, and that's super hard, so it might as well work over here where it's super easy. But that was so profound and powerful to me. I mean, it just, it stuck with me for a really long time. I, I only brought that up because I hope that, and you may already understand this, Jeremy, but it's, you're putting one foot in front of the other. And we all do that every day. And I mean, I, I've dealt with situations and stuff in the past, non-combat related, um, but can totally relate to a lot of the, the situations that we're talking about here. And, and you just continue to put one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. But you also understand, have to understand, you know, those who are listening that may be in the situation that you're casting a shadow. And so what are the people seeing? What, how are they, what are you, actions are you taking? Are you coming forward? And you're trying to represent that you're not any less of a man for doing that. As a matter of fact, you're a better man to your family, to your, you know, your children, to this unit, to your, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's what's important uh, at the end of the day that you're going to take care of yourself because that's what's uh, the main thing. Um, and, and I think because of your experiences, It'll help you be even that much greater of a leader, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, and that's in turning that around to, in a different way. A absolutely. Right. I, like I said, I, I'm far better yeah. than I was before. Um, and, and yeah, understanding like we, we've got to be vulnerable as leaders, right? It's, yeah. I don't have to be, you know, this whatever image that I'm supposed to be like, I could just be me. Right. And like, Hey, this is my experience, right? This is where I derive my strength from. Like you guys also yeah. are going to have these same experiences. There's no reason. Like the fact that Sergeant first classes or senior leaders in the army, it's a meme Go on like U.S. army WTF. And it's like the meme of the Sergeant first class who's an alcoholic with like four, yeah. like they know, right. It's not a yeah. secret. <laughs> it's so like, yeah, we know dude, just, just go out there and tell your soldiers like, hey, I'm messed up, I'm getting help. And it's gonna be fine. They yeah. already know. People know. Yeah. I can I can tell, right? We can mm -hmm. tell when when you're serving with somebody, like something's going on. Yeah. But respect then, you know, like in the case yeah. of, of, of Paul. And and I think you're absolutely right. And that's a message I think that if there's one thing that um, you know, within the military and and um you know, the good that's being happened, like what happened here and the reaction and those types of things is that 
you're not only taking care of the soldiers, you're taking care of yourself, and you're willing to come forward and say, we're here. Mm-hmm. We're here as a community. We're here as a unit. I'm here for you. I've been there. And seek help. Get help. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And, and it, it makes it, you know, you've heard this before. There's the, hey, call me if you ever need. Here's my phone. Everybody take yeah. my phone or call me if you ever need. Okay. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. But when, when you're that guy, it's like, hey, like I know, right? I, I have people call me all the time. People call me because I'm open yeah. about it. And they're just like, hey, man, I think I'm kind of going through some stuff. It's like, ah, let's, let's do it right now. Yeah. I, I get better by listening to your experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like it helps, it helps me immensely to, to help, um, to listen to other people's experiences, to share my own. It, just, it gives me so much from, from helping others. Well, you, without you probably even knowing it, you've just done the same thing here yeah. during this episode. And, um, you know, we've had many times where individuals have listened to episodes uh, in this type of setting and conversation in which they, they come back and say, hey, it literally saved my life. So yeah. um, it's it's amazing, this platform and what we're able to do. And thank you for sharing your story and that journey. And, man, I wish you nothing but the best in uh, Hawaii. Um, oh, man. It's strange even having to say that because like, that's a tough assignment. Dude, you know, let's, It's real tough. Yeah, now no, it we, is, dude. It is. When you're out in the field there, that is brutal. What's great is now we that have two well. first sergeants that are going to be phoning us to come yes. to 25th ID to do some podcasting. Oh, <laughs> Rob, let's let's do it. Let's <laughs> let's space A over there and just do uh, it. Don't forget about the little people when you leave. Yep. yep. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much again. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Really do. Thanks, guys. A lot of fun. Appreciate the yeah. opportunity. Oh, it's great, yeah. man. All right. I wish we could do this for another two hours. Freaking great, dude. <laughs>